take a second and rate how disciplined of a person you are on a one to five scale, five being 100%, one being 0%. How disciplined are you? Welcome back to The Liz Show. We are going to move forward with the characteristics of holiness that you need to be intentional with developing, right? These are the characteristics that we're talking about in 2 Peter 1. And these are the characteristics that can help you grow as a Christian and in your faith. Today, we're on the third one, which is enhancing your faith with self-control. So how good is your self-discipline? How good is your self-control on that one to five scale? For me, it depends on what it is, probably a lot like you. Some things I'm really self-disciplined with, other things I totally am not. I'll be honest. Like sometimes if I'm struggling emotionally, I totally cope with food. My, my fiance doesn't. And it's baffling to me because I'm like, oh man, I wanna be like you, but I'm not yet, not, not quite, but I'm better than I was a handful of years ago. So gotta acknowledge the progress. Today we're taking a look at the clause and knowledge with self-control, that's in 2 Peter 1.6. The third characteristic Peter is telling us is to develop self-control. Oh, I get asked a lot how to develop self-control or self-discipline, and here's your answer in today's episode. And you might be a little shocked by what you find or hear. Um, I got a little excited, which was nice because I'm going to be honest, I had a really rough day today. Nothing went the way I wanted it. And wow, the self-focus there is obviously quite thick when I say that, but nonetheless, you can always rejoice. And in next week's episode, we'll talk about rejoicing in storms, but let's stay focused on the characteristic Peter is telling us, which is to develop self-control. Now, if you remember from last week, the second trait was knowledge, but now Peter is saying simply knowing God's word is not enough. It's about having the discipline to do what you know we should do as believers. And I would argue this reality of knowing what you need to do as a believer and not doing it is a real struggle for many of us. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm 100% guilty of it. There's things that I do that I know is a sin and I don't want to do it. Honest to God, I don't want to do it. But some days I'm just not strong enough or my flesh gets the best of me. And unfortunately, they're going to happen. We're not supposed to be perfect and God is not sin conscious. In fact, God sees you as that perfect being, right? He sees you without those, those sins. Of course, sin does separate us from God and he doesn't want us to sin, But he still loves you and he's still with you. And I'm not saying continue sinning. I'm simply saying that sometimes there's a walking out period, right? Our default behavior as humans is negative and is sinful. And it's easy, especially as our brain is getting renewed and our soul is getting renewed and our spiritual eyes are getting awoken. It's easy to fall back into that default behavior. In fact, many of us are very double-minded in regards to knowing something about God's word and not doing it. It's very easy to do. Can I get an amen? Our conduct is not in alignment or agreement with our knowledge at all times. And the key here, the goal here as Christians, as believers who are wanting to grow in their walk with Jesus and their faith is to learn how to bring that alignment to fruition with God's help. In fact, these areas where you're out of alignment are the exact areas 
you need to be praying for God's help, for God to renew your mind, for God to change your heart, because it's only he that can do that. Okay, what does self-control mean? Well, if you go to the dictionary, self-control is the ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires, or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. However, that's not the definition in God's eyes. Isn't that amazing? God's definition is different than the world's definition. Hmm, that sounds a lot like God, right? So God is telling us that self-control is mastery over sinful human desires in every aspect of life. I'm going to read it again. Mastery over sinful human desires in every aspect of life. Can we check in? How you doing with that? Hmm? I'm not doing too well. So if I'm not doing too well, I'm going to assume you're not doing too well either because you know what? We're all humans. We all fall short, right? Then the question becomes, how do you master your sinful human desires? Personally, I'm going to argue you don't. I know you're like, well, why am I listening to this episode then, Liz? (laughs) Well, let me give you some hope. It's better to interpret this self-control to be God control. So when you read self-control in the Bible, read God control. Because it's only when we are under the control of the Holy Spirit can we truly conduct ourselves with that God or self-control that's being spoken of here. And this all makes sense because if you're wondering why did Peter then call it self-control, not God control? Well, back then, the Greeks saw self-control as a highly prized virtue. But Peter is trying to set the record straight on the matter and is saying, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, uh-uh, that self-control that you are idolizing doesn't do anything because it doesn't change you. Additionally, the Greeks' focus of self-control was more on self-effort, whereas for believers, this is not how we are to run our lives. Self-effort is not acceptable. There is no room for self-effort in the kingdom. We are supposed to be dependent on God. We are supposed to have this interdependency on God. He wants us to lean always on him. And it's not codependency. It's truly interdependency. You have to understand that self-effort fails in the long run because it does not change inward desires, which can only be changed by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm going to go on a slight tangent and then I'm going to come back. I'm an executive coach. I'm a trained coach. I'm a trained therapist. One of my biggest pet peeves in my space is self-help. There's no such thing as self-help. There's never anything you've done by yourself. Like take a second. If you've read a book to learn something, then you use that person's insights to help you. Self-help doesn't exist. Self-help is typically referred to reading a book or doing something on your own. But at the end of the day, if you work with a coach or if you read a book, the median is different, but you're not doing it by yourself. Get over yourself, right? You got to get over that pride and that like me, myself, and I BS because that's what it is. Now back to our original messaging. If you flip to Romans 8.13, and I'm going to read the Amplified, it says this. For if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you are going to die. But if you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to death the sinful deeds of the body. You will really live forever. You have to understand that it's not 
your self-control that's going to get this. It's not you implementing control over yourself. It's you submitting to the Holy Spirit who's inside of you. And if you don't think he's inside of you, please do the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit prayer. Literally Google it. I'll try to Google it as I'm talking so we can do it at the end of today's episode. But you have to remember that self-control here is submitting to the Holy Spirit. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to take control over you and for you to intentionally submit your ways to that of God. Now, if you flip to Galatians 5, 22 to 23, this is the fruit of the Spirit. It says this, again, I'm reading the Amplified, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control or God control against such things. There is no law. We believers are directly taught that we have the Holy Spirit's help to gain self-control or God control. Take a second. Are you using, are you taking advantage of that gift that has been freely given to you? The reason Peter was teaching about self-control was because many false teachers were teaching that self-control was not needed. Because works would not help believers anyway, so why even have self-control? These false teachers preach that if you knew the word of God, like if you had the knowledge, eh, you didn't need that self-control. Who cares about implementing what you know? Because that makes sense, right? Like, seriously, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's like saying, hey, I want to teach you math, but don't ever actually use math. Well, why the heck am I learning it? <laughs> Like, like, why learn something I'm not going to actually use in my life? That seems silly. But it's real, right? It's real. I mean, this is, this, is, this is real what we're talking about. There's tons of people that go to church, learn the word of God, and don't ever implement what they're learning, unfortunately. They might have a rude awakening when they meet Jesus. We'll see. And let's be honest, you just have to love humans' convoluted minds, right? We are so good at twisting things. We are so good at justifying and reasoning things. And it's just interesting to me. Now, if you flip to Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 to 23, we learn the same thing that self-discipline or self-control by the world standards does not actually change you. The verse reads, and this is the NLT, I believe, the verse reads, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate us. We use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Isn't that the truth? Self-control will not prevent somebody's evil desires from coming to fruition. Self-control will not change a person's heart a person's heart can only be changed by the Holy Spirit. I've worked in mental health now for over seven years. Really, I, I swear I've been doing it since I was eight years old because that's when I first started playing therapist. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, um, in all the psychology I know, I'm to the point where I only study the Bible for psychology 90% um, of the time because it's so accurate. And it's that... It's the power of God that changes us. It's not psychology. I mean, psychology is a theory. And a lot of the theories all say the same darn thing or are inaccurate or are 
a belief system from somebody else, right? If you want to change yourself, if you don't like who you are, allow God to work in your heart and be patient. And I suck at being patient. I'm just going to be honest. That's kind of why I had a crappy day today. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm just going to be honest here on the Liz Show. You have to remember that our works cannot bring salvation. But it's absolutely incorrect to think that works are not important. They are important. It's important to put your faith to work. It's very important. It's important that you allow God to work in your heart. And when you have the opportunity to be Christ-like, you take that opportunity and you nail it. When someone's mean to you, be kind. When someone's praying evil over you, respond with love. We are saved so we can resemble Christ. God is so hungry to produce his character in his people. And he's really good at it. Like, he's the best counselor we have. If you're willing, he will change your heart. Might not be on your timeline. Very rarely do I feel like God works in our timeline, right? And while God will renew you and change your heart, you also must implement effort and discipline. Let's talk about the requirements of self-control or God control. Self-control, God control, requires you to be honest with yourself. Take a second, check in. Where are you not being honest with yourself? Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate where you're lying to yourself. Also, where are you being hard on yourself too inappropriately? Because you have to understand that there is a walking out period. It does take time for our physical self to change, even though our spiritual self might have changed first, right? And that's what's going to happen. You're going to spiritually change first. And then there's like walking out season. And it's going to vary depending on what it is for each person. That's going to take time. When you're honest with yourself, you can identify your strengths and your weaknesses. I also think you're more open to hearing God's correction, the Holy Spirit's wisdom, and Jesus's thoughts too. I think that's why it's important to work with another person who's objective and can help you identify your blind spots. I have blind spots. I see someone to help me grow because I want to be the best person I can be. So it's important to, to allow yourself to work with someone that can help identify your blind spots. It doesn't have to be necessarily a professional. It just needs to be an objective person who has understanding uh, to a degree, at least in psychology or high empathy, right? Iron sharpens iron. The application of self-control is learning to say no in the areas where you really need to be saying no, especially in the areas where your flesh is screaming, yes, let's do it, right? You have to accept that self-control God's way is a lifelong sanctification. You're not going to master it in a matter of days. You can't read a book and be like, woohoo, I got it, right? Like, my goodness, how many times have you read the Bible and like that one verse made no sense to you and you just, you just went right over it and then you read it again and you're like, whoa, that just resonated. You're going to have to learn the different positive mindset and attitudes that God wants you to have that, that aren't going to come naturally. They're just not, they're God given. It's divine intervention. Are you going to open yourself up? Are you going to allow God to come in? Cause remember, he's really, really a great gentleman. He's so holy. He's not coming in unless you give him an invite. Godly self-control is about channeling your desires and appetites toward God's purpose and what God sees acceptable. Here's your action plan. Number one, where are you weak in your God control? Where is your God control strong? Number three, where is your godly knowledge not leading you to strong God control? For instance, Believers need to be fast to forgive. Are you? 
Believers are to be optimistic and positive because there's no room for negativity in the kingdom. Are you optimistic? I want you to do some praying and ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. Now I'm going to say a prayer and then we can go over the prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for the prayer of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just recite what I'm saying out loud. So do it out loud. But first, let's just close in prayer and then we'll move to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your delight, for your joy, for your love, for your kindness, for your warmth, for your just like, just, just obsession of us, right? Like you are such a wonderful and mercy, merciful God. I just thank you for the bottom of my heart for everyone who's listening. And I just ask that you reveal yourself more to every single person that is listening. Grow them, teach them, guide them, direct them. Father, please give them divine insight into where they are falling short with their God control and make it really easy for them to understand what you're asking them to do. Father, make it one plus one equals two. I pray just love and joy and peace over them. And thank you so much for allowing me to have a voice in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit goes like this. I'm going to go slow. And then you can recite as, I've re as I, I say it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus and all that he has and is doing for my life. I come to you seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to grow stronger and bolder in you every day. Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I open myself up to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now by faith through your word. May the anointing and power of God come upon me and into my life forever and always. I ask you to continue working in my heart, making me everything you want me to be. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayers. Thank you, Jesus for baptizing me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Please share this episode with one person and write a review, preferably on Apple. I'd really appreciate that if you could go to Apple's podcast and write a review. Let me know your thoughts, what you like, what you don't like. I'd really appreciate it so very much if you did that. And make sure you connect with me on LinkedIn and Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. And make sure you get on my newsletter. And in the meantime, know that I am rooting for you. And it's up to you to create a great day. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.